0: Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Wollongong Baptist Church. There we go. Can you please turn to the person next to you and ask them this question? Uh, if you could ask God a question about the Holy Spirit, what would you ask? If you could ask God a question about the Holy Spirit, what would you ask? So have a chat to the person next to you and I'll bring us back in a few seconds. Uh, well, for those of you uh, who were here last week, uh, last week we had an international service. I don't know about you, but I, I love when we have our international service. It's just a great time of the year when we get to celebrate how diverse our church is. Uh, I really loved it. And so thank you to anyone who participated in that or planned or, or did an item or just sh- showed up. Like, it, was, it was a great week. Uh, last night, actually, we had a multicultural dinner as well to try and raise some funds for SCARF. And some of you came along to that as well. Uh, and we were able to raise $570, I think, for SCARF, uh, which was really cool. So like, I just wanted to say, I love our church and I love how multicultural we are and how we care for those outside of our church. Um, So that was last week, uh, but the, the weeks before that, the three weeks before that, we started a series called Digging Deeper. And Rod spoke on the topic of salvation, or a Greek—not uh, a Greek word—a geek word would be soteriology. Um, and now, the reason why Rod spoke about salvation is because it's the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation. We had some great people uh, explain to us about Calvin and, and Zwingli and Luther, and we wanted you to dig deeper in understanding the topic of salvation and how the reformers help us to understand that we're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. But before we do, I want to try and lower your expectations a little bit as to the ground we're going to cover in the next three weeks, because I've only got three weeks to talk about the Holy Spirit and not three months. And so let me lower your expectations by uh, telling you a story to help you do that. Uh, Every now and then, uh, I do some exercise, uh, as you can clearly tell. Um, And uh, One form of exercise that I tend to do is a workout DVD called Insanity. Uh, Now, I love and hate this workout DVD. Uh, Let me tell you why I hate this workout DVD. Uh, I hate this workout DVD because, truth be told, it's embarrassing. Like it's quite embarrassing, and, and I, this happened to me at Bible college actually. That I was in my study, and a friend of mine came from the back door instead of, I mean, the back gate instead of the front door. And instead of seeing me, you know, at work studying uh, a Greek or Hebrew, she instead saw me doing star jumps, and she saw me like running on the spot, and she saw me doing like uh, hang uh, hangman, I think, or whatever they called. And it was quite embarrassing. And so for the next week, few weeks, she kept on mocking me when we were in class, uh, and I didn't like that. And so I don't, I don't like how embarrassing it is as a workout, and I feel ashamed telling you right now. Uh, it's different to like lifting weights or something. Uh, but So I hate it for that reason, but I love it for two reasons. The first reason why I love it is, is because it's actually a really good workout. Like after 45 minutes, I am spent. There's a reason why it's called insanity, because it's insane. You're, just, you're gone as a workout. That's one reason why I like it. The second reason why I like it, though, and probably the main reason, is because of the instructor of Insanity. It's this big guy called Sean T. And he's, he's absolutely ripped, and he's just like a great instructor. And in particular, there's a few words that he says that are really helpful. And one thing he says over and over again, which is just like just gets you to do another push-up each time, is he keeps saying, dig deeper. He says, dig deeper. You can do the same thing with your body at home, like dig deeper, Now, I don't know why, but that just motivates me. Like, I just want to keep on exercising. This series is entitled Digging Deeper. And to be honest with you, I cannot read that and not think of Sean T saying to me, dig deeper as we do this. And so for the next three weeks, what I want to, I guess, do or tell you in turn to lower your expectations is that I don't plan on being a Bible college lecturer for the next three weeks and unpacking everything there is to do with the Spirit. I'm not the expert on it. On him, sorry. But instead, what I want to do is actually just scratch the surface and hopefully the next three weeks will be a catalyst for your soul to want to dig deeper. So in other words, I want to be Sean T, okay? Maybe not as, I guess, buff, but I'm going to be Sean T and I want to try and motivate you to go, how great is the Holy Spirit? Let's, let's learn more about him. Let's dig deeper into learning who he is. And so that's that's my plan in lowering your expectations. But maybe some of you are like, but Joel, why are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Like, I, I get why we talked about salvation, the Reformation, our anniversary, but why the Holy Spirit? I want to give you a few reasons why it's important that we dig into learning more about our God. The first reason is because I think in many churches, we can forget the Holy Spirit. We can forget the Holy Spirit. You see, in John chapter 16, verse 14, what we're told is that one of the Spirit's roles is to glorify Jesus. That, that he's a humble member of the Trinity, that he is a self-effacing member of the Trinity. He wants us to love Jesus, because Jesus is awesome. But I think sometimes we can take that so far to, the think, to think that the Holy Spirit actually doesn't want us to think about him at all. When the Bible is actually quite clear that the Holy Spirit works throughout the early church, and actually we should be filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and that we, there's commands from the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's important that we don't ignore the Holy Spirit. There's a book called The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. If you haven't read it, I'd recommend it to you. And Francis Chan says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten in many churches. As I was was studying this week, what I found really interesting as well is how in the Bible there's these commands to like not grieve the Holy Spirit. Not quench the Holy Spirit, not lie to the Holy Spirit, not blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, which made me realize actually the Bible's warning us, don't forget the Holy Spirit as much as we are to focus on Christ. So don't I think because we have ignored the Holy Spirit, we need to spend some time learning about him. But another reason I think is because a lot of our teaching on the Holy Spirit can be reactionary teaching. I think in our Reformed tribe, and if you don't know what I mean by that, don't worry, but for those of you who understand, in our Reformed tribe, I think sometimes we can uh, have our teaching on the Holy Spirit be in reaction to maybe Charismatics or, or Pentecostals, and we can define what we're against and not necessarily passionately what we're for. And don't get me wrong, I think some of that reactionary teaching is helpful and needed in that time, but I also think we need to you know, passionately proclaim what we believe the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. And to not make sure that our reaction is not an overreaction. Another reason why we, I think we need to dig it deeper into the Holy Spirit is because there's a mystery there. There's a mystery there. Like if anyone here is thinking, you know what, Joel, I know everything there is to do with the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm, just, I'm going to be bored for the next three weeks. Like, can I humble you and say you don't? You don't. And even as your pastor, to be honest with you, I feel a bit nervous as I come to preach on the Holy Spirit because there's so much stuff that I don't understand. There's a mystery here in in a lot of ways. And so for that reason, let's let's dig deeper and let's learn about the Spirit of God. And the final reason before we dig into Acts chapter 5 is that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. If you want to grow in holiness and be more like Jesus, if you want to be on mission for Jesus and proclaim the gospel boldly to your friends or family, or if you want to serve the people here in the church compassionately, you need the Holy Spirit. You need it. And our church needs him. So let's, let's learn about him and let's dig into Acts and see what it teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And so if you've got your Bibles, keep them open. Acts chapter 5. And let me read to us verses 1 to 4. Verses 1 to 4. This is what we're told. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, "Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Did it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Uh, I've got a simple question uh, for you. Uh, when was the last time uh, you lied to your TV? Or when is the last time you lied to your house or maybe to your car or maybe to the clothes you're wearing? When was the last time you lied to an object? Like, never. (laughs) That's a trick question, Joel. There's no last time because there hasn't been a time, right? You know, it's really important that we see here in in this passage that what Peter is saying here is, hey, look, the Holy Spirit is a person. If you can lie to him, he's a person. He's not an object. And it's really important that we grasp this and understand this. Because unfortunately, I, I think movies such as Star Wars has unhelpfully influenced our thinking when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Like I don't, I don't know about you, but I love Star Wars. Like I can't wait till the next Star Wars movie comes out. You know, I'd love to be able to have the Force and you know be able to tell people no, like this is not what this is the case, or you know change people's minds or do Jedi like mind tricks or flips. Like, that'd be awesome. And yet I think sometimes though we confuse who the Holy Spirit is with the Force. And we think that the Holy Spirit is like the force and it's a real mysterious power and only the super holy people have it. Only the super holy people can do these miracles and have the power of God. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's like you and me. He has personal characteristics like us. He relates like us. It's in the Bible, it actually teaches us many things about the Holy Spirit. And I want to go through some of these passages actually for us to, to digest on this and to think it through. But let me list off a, a few of them quickly before we look at the passages. What well, the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit is that He relates, He speaks, He teaches, He hears, He commands, He grieves, He comforts, He prays, He helps, and there's more. And so let's, let's have a look at some of the passages in Scripture to learn about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And let's begin in Romans, I mean, yeah, in Romans chapter 8, Verses 26 to 27 will come up on the screen. It says this: In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. A few things here. I want you to see about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see how it says the Spirit himself, not the Spirit itself that there's a masculine pronoun there in the Greek and on purpose so that we understand that the Spirit is a person. But also, I want you to notice how the Spirit helps us, that He's our helper, that He wants to help us. And the way He does this in this passage is that He intercedes on our behalf. Or in other words, He begs, He pleads, He prays on our behalf. It's a bit trippy. (laughs) I'm not too sure how this occurs, but I don't know about you, but that comforts me that whenever I go to pray, and I can find prayer difficult, and I'm guessing sometimes you can too, that, that the Spirit of God wants to help us pray. How amazing is that? I love that about the Spirit. But let's, let's move on and let's learn about how the Spirit grieves. Let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Pretty simple. It says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Simple question. Last night when you went to bed and, and you turned your light switch off, did your light switch grieve? You know, was your light switch like, "No, I'm afraid of the dark. Don't do it." You know, like, did it grieve? No. No. But my guess is is that you have grieved people in your life. Maybe you've, you've grieved your wife, your husband, your children, friends, family. I don't know about you, but I hate it when my actions cause pain and hurt and grief upon someone else. And you know, we can do that to the Holy Spirit. Because he's not a force, he's not an object, he's a person. And I wonder if we realize the magnitude of that. Let's keep going. So I want us to learn about the Holy Spirit here. Let's go into the next passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In this, in this chapter, it talks about spiritual gifts. And as it gets towards the end of the chapter, it wants to just talk about uh, the Spirit and his role in this. And so it says this, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. Like, I wonder if you thought about this. Gravity doesn't make choices. You know, when you wake up in the morning, like, gravity doesn't think, okay, I like Wollongong. Wollongong's a great place. So I'm going to operate at 9.8 meters a second in Wollongong. But in Sydney, I don't like Sydney. So let's just, you know, let's not operate at all in Sydney. Let's just let them float up in the sky and go crazy. You know, gravity is consistent, it's constant, it's a force, and yet the Holy Spirit is not. He makes choices. He distributes the spiritual gifts as he determines. Let's keep going. Let's go to John. This one's a great passage. John chapter 14, verse 15 to 20. Let me read this out to you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What I love about John's gospel is, is it makes it so clear that, that the Spirit is a he. There's so many of the masculine pronouns there, so it's just repeated over and over again. It's like, okay, I get it. The Spirit is personal. But also in this passage, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit another advocate. In other words, an advocate who's like Jesus. Jesus was the first advocate. And if you're wondering, what is an advocate? Well, well, the Greek word here, it's hard to translate into the English. So let me give you a few synonyms to help you understand that word advocate. Uh, another word for that word advocate could be helper, or it could be comforter, or it could be ally. Or, or, like the, the Spirit of God is here to help you and help you in a personal way. And, and I love as well that the Spirit, because He comes and is with us, means that we're not orphans, but the Spirit of God is with us and in us, which therefore means that the Father and Jesus are with us as well. The Spirit is a person. It's a person, not a force. And I know this is basic, but it's really important that we grasp this reality. It's really important that we do. And let me explain to you why. Why? Um, I'm no uh, physics professor, and so if anyone is here, my apologies, Uh, but uh, when it comes to gravity, I personally don't think there's too much to learn about it, like I'm sure there is, like I'm sure you can study gravity and find out the complexity of it and how it all works, but everyday life, when it comes to gravity, I learned about gravity from a very young age, and so did you, and what I learned was this, is that if I jump, I will fall, and I learned this lesson in a very painful way, I've told this story before, but when I was four years old, I was in preschool, and I thought I could fly, and I couldn't. And gravity taught me a lesson, broke my arm, and that was the end of that. I'm guessing you're the same. I'm guessing you've learnt about gravity. And as a result now, when you wake up each day, you don't need to think about gravity. You don't need to think, what, what, what do I need to learn about gravity today? You, just, you, you walk and you know you won't fly. It's quite simple because it's a force. It's constant. It's the same. And so if you think the Holy Spirit is like that, then you think the Holy Spirit is just like a light switch on, off, that's it, Not, nothing much else to it. But if the Holy Spirit is a person, right? And let's say he's a person like Mark Roberts is a person, uh, and he's someone I, who I work with. Then, then, for me to be able to, to live, I need to understand Mark. I need to, 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 to get to know Mark, you know, what annoys him, what doesn't annoy him, what grieves him, you know, what is something that he likes. And Mark is not a constant. Like, he changes. Like, one day, he can walk. The next day, he can't. <laughs> You know, like, like I, I need to learn what grieves Mark. So, you know, in particular, if I do certain things, like insult him, like I am right now, and learn, does that grieve him or is he okay with that? You know, like, I, I need to learn about Mark to have a relationship with him and to be able to live life alongside him. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. If he grieves and he'd also be delighted, then, then you want to learn, okay, how can I live my life in a way that doesn't grieve him, but actually brings him joy? How can I obey him? How can I learn more about him as he teaches me about Jesus? It's important we understand that reality. Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. But also, he is God. Let's go back to Acts chapter 5. Now and I know you're probably thinking, man, this is a weird passage. Why have you taken this here? Well, it's because it teaches us these two truths so clearly that the Holy Spirit is a person and he is God. Let me, let me read to you verse 4 and uh, to verse 6. And this is Peter speaking to Ananias. He says, Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have lied not just to human beings, but, get this, to God. To God. You see, the Holy Spirit in many ways is like you and me. He is personal, yes. But in many ways, he's also not like you and me. And that's because he's God. I hate to break this to you. You're not. And I'm not. And so it's important we understand, okay, that the Holy Spirit is God. What what does this mean? And and how do we know this is the case? Well, the Bible actually teaches us, not just in this passage, but throughout the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit shares characteristics with God. And so let me go through a few of them with you, so you can understand that this is the case. And firstly, let's have a look at Psalm 139, which says this. This is David speaking, says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You see, this passage teaches us that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent; that He is present everywhere. So, unlike you and me, you can only be present in one place at one point in time. The Holy Spirit can be present everywhere because He's God. But on top of being omnipresent, which is just a big theological word, which means He's present everywhere, He's also omniscient, which means He knows all things. Another big word for you. And let me read a passage to you from, I think it's one Corinthians. So it'll help us understand this. It says this: one Corinthians two, chapter ten to eleven. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even knows the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. There's a lot of us here who are quite smart. Um, some of you here you know, have been to private school. Some of you teach at private school. Some of you are principal of a private school. You know, some of you have been to university. Some of you here lecture at university. You know, a lot of us here think we're quite smart, Can I say that you're quite dumb in comparison to God? That you don't know all things, you know? Like, I I try to tell my wife I know all things, but she reminds me, I don't. And that's because I'm not God. But the Holy Spirit is. Do you know the Holy Spirit is, on top of actually being um, omnipresent and omniscient, is also eternal. Eternal. I don't know about you, I was talking to Tim about his uh, birthday this week. And and personally, I love birthdays. It's my birthday coming up in November, so all of you know. Uh, And and I I just love birthdays. I love the fact that you sometimes get gifts, but you usually get cake. And I love the fact that, you know, people sing happy birthday and everyone's really awkward. And like, it's just a great time. I love just watching people when they sing happy birthday to me. Uh, Like, I wonder if you like birthdays because the Holy Spirit, I don't think he really likes birthdays because he doesn't have one. Right? Like, no one's ever said, Happy birthday, Holy Spirit. It never happens. You know, He's eternal. He's always existed, always will exist because He is God. Because He is God. But here's another characteristic that's God like He's holy, right? He's holy. There's There's a reason why we don't call Rod Holy Rod, or we don't call Mark Holy Mark. You know, there's a reason why you're not you have a holy adjective in front of your name. It's because you're not holy like God is holy. But the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, okay, all right, Joel, so the Holy Spirit is God, but also God the Father is God, God the Son is God. Like how does that work? Cuz doesn't the Bible also teach that there's one God? Well, yeah, it does. It does. And I guess this is when we're unpacking, I guess, the doctrine of the Trinity or the teaching of the Trinity, the biblical teaching that there is one God who exists in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who each are equally God, but have different roles and functions within the Trinity. I know some of you are like, Joel, that's trippy. It, it is. And it seems like one plus one plus one equals one. And it does. And maybe some of you are like, that's bad math. It is, but it's also good theology. And that's what the Bible teaches us. And there's some of you are like, but Joel, this you know the understanding of the Trinity that's confusing. Like, I don't understand it. Can, can I say something to you? If you understood everything about God, He wouldn't be God. That there should be a mystery behind the, the Creator of the universe that you and I cannot comprehend. And I think the Trinity fits into that category. But now maybe you're thinking, Oh, Joel, what's the practical point of the Trinity? Like, why does it matter that we comprehend and understand this biblical teaching? I think it matters when it comes to the love of God, the love of God. You see, we all love the fact that God is a loving God, that he's not a God of hate. But I wonder if you thought this through, that if God is a God who's only by himself, then how could he perfectly—I mean be a perfect loving God that's been loving for all eternity? Instead, if he's by himself, he would have been lonely. He would need to create us to fill a void in his heart so he could express his love. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that actually Jesus and the Spirit and the Father were in a perfect, loving relationship for eternity. And it's out the overflow of their love that they created us. That's incredible. And if you're like, oh, I don't fully understand. Well, let me give you a quick analogy, right? Like if some of you here didn't like me, which is okay. And if you were to uh, build a concrete cube for me and place me in that concrete cube, and then if you put a video and live feed it on Facebook um, or even here at church, like, do you think people would look at me and say, oh, Joel, what a loving guy, What an absolutely loving guy. like You'd be like, no, like he's alone. And how would we know that he is loving? You see, we know that our God is a God of love because he's existed in a perfect community of love in the Trinity. You see, the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity because the Holy Spirit is God as well. Now, why does this matter? Why does it matter that we understand the divinity of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a few quick reasons. Uh, The first one... It's got to do with our, I guess, relationship with God. You see, on the negative side, if the Holy Spirit is God, and He is, well, then those passages that say that we can grieve the Holy Spirit means that we're grieving God. We're grieving God. I wonder if you thought about that. So that, like, maybe there's a time in your life that maybe you're not trying to repent of a certain sin or you're just trying to shut out the Holy Spirit or He's trying to, I guess, you know, convict you to maybe go talk to someone or go do something in those moments, you're not just trying to get rid of your conscience, but actually you're grieving the God of the universe who loves you. And that should bring you pain, just like you're bringing you pain to grieve your wife or your loved one. That's on the negative. Let's go to the positive. If the Holy Spirit is God any use, then when He's pushing on your heart to, and, and asking you to trust Him and go do something, be it change your character or go talk to someone about Jesus or, or go love someone in the church, when He's pushing in on that that he's got, that he knows what's best for you, that you can trust him, that when he's asking you to take a step of faith and to listen to him and obey him, you can and you should, and it will lead to joy that he's got your back, that he knows what's best for you. It's really important that we understand that reality when it comes to our relationship with God and trusting him. And then another implication as well, and this one's a bit more tricky. I've been wrestling with this one this week, but it's got to do with how we worship God how we worship God. Let me read out to you uh, part of the Nicene Creed. Uh, If you're not too sure what a creed is, it's basically a statement of faith by the early church, uh, which helps all churches try and understand what they believe and what they should teach. And so uh, this is part of the Nicene Creed, uh, and it says this. It says, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. Worshipped and glorified. You see, the Holy Spirit is God, and He is, and He's worthy of our affection and our praise. You see, it's idolatry to praise someone or something that's not God. It's not idolatry to praise the Holy Spirit and to worship Him. And so, I wonder, what does that look like for us? And what does it look like when the role of the Holy Spirit is actually to glorify Jesus and to point us to Jesus? And so it's not easy. So we need, to, we need to think it through and wrestle with this. But I think there's a problem if we completely ignore the Holy Spirit and never want to talk about him or potentially, I guess, thank God for him or praise him. You know, I find it a bit weird that we don't have many songs with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that every song should be about the Holy Spirit. They primarily should be about Jesus because that's what the Holy Spirit wants. But at the same time, we should be thinking through, if he's God, which he is, shouldn't we worship him as well? It's a topic for you to discuss with other people. I don't have time to, to really unpack it. See, today, two truths I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit is person and the Holy Spirit is God. But maybe some of you are thinking, but Joel, like, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? You know, like, do I need to pay the pastors is there, you know, certain amounts? You know, do I need to fill in a church form you know, in the foyer and hand it in to the admin team and then Ken will send you an email with the Holy Spirit attached? You know, like, 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 how do we do this? You need to let, let, reach a certain level of holiness how, do we ask the Holy Spirit and it comes in our life? Well, actually, what the Bible teaches us is that the way you receive the Holy Spirit is to receive Christ. It's to receive Christ. Let me read to you a part of Acts, which is Peter's um, message uh, to, on the day of Pentecost. He says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, church, the Holy Spirit wants you to receive Christ because he's a Jesus freak. He's on about Jesus, and he wants us to be on about Jesus as well. Jesus, who existed for eternity with God the Father and God the Spirit, but gave up that perfect loving relationship to be born a little baby, to then grow up and to live the perfect life, and then to die the brutal death so that God the Father can become our God the Father, so that we can be adopted into the family of God, so that we may now have the Spirit of God given to us. So if you want the Holy Spirit, receive Christ. And if you're thinking, but Joel, okay, that's how I receive it. But how do I know if I've received the Holy Spirit? You know, like, I don't know about you, but I haven't resurrected anyone from the dead this week. Or, you know, I haven't healed a broken leg. Like, like how do I know that I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me? Well, to give you a re- really quick preview of the weeks to come, a few simple questions. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you want to be like him? And do you want to be on his mission and tell others about him? Because if you're here at church just because you like the social gathering or it's just what you do, if you're someone that doesn't really have any ambition to grow, to become more like Christ, if you don't really care at all about sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus, then I would question your heart and say, have you actually received Christ? Is he the Lord of your life? But for those of you here who are like, yes, I love Jesus. I love coming to church and learning about Him. Like I I want to be more like Him. I want to grow in holiness. I want to kill sin and put on righteousness. I, I want to be on mission for Jesus. I want to share the gospel. Can I just comfort you this morning and say that you have the Holy Spirit, that He is living and active within you, that you are not alone, and that God is with you, that He's your comforter, He's your helper, that you are not alone, and that you should praise God for that truth and reality. And so don't be distracted by the fact that you haven't seen the miraculous because God doesn't want you to long for the miraculous. He wants you to long after him. He wants you to have your affections for Jesus. And so be comforted by that reality. I am going to pray for us. But my hope is in the next few weeks is that you dig deeper. Go to the library. There's been a great job by Petra and her team. Read more books, read articles, learn about our God, the Holy Spirit. How about I pray to close? Father God, we want to thank you so much for this time this morning. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the richness that is within it. Lord, that some weeks or most weeks we can just read it verse by verse and unpack what it means. But sometimes, Lord, we can just go throughout it and see what it teaches in a more topical way. We thank you so much, Lord, for the Holy Spirit and the gift that he is to us. Spirit, we pray that you may teach us about yourself. You may equip us for your mission and you may help us to grow in righteousness and holiness so we can come more like Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you help us to love Jesus more and more each and every day. Help us to worship him and to live for him. We thank you for this time, and we pray, Lord, that you may continue to humble us and teach us and rely upon you each and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.